Howard W. Hunter said, your detours and disappointments are the straight and narrow way back to him. And there are so many scriptures that tell us that all things are going to work together for our good. So how do you turn your detours as a parent into something that will work together for your good and for the good of the most important people in your life, your family? Join me in this podcast and let's talk about it. Hey, you are going to love this discussion that I have with Micah today. We're talking about how to unconditionally love your child without condoning their actions. This is something that we get asked a lot, and we have talked about it a lot. And I think you're going to find some really good information here. Now, interestingly enough, I have a masterclass coming up on this same topic where I will go more into depth about how to do the things that we talk about and add some more information too. So I have a masterclass, this same topic, coming up on October 14th from 11 to 12 Mountain Time. And this is going to be a Zoom call. So if you can't attend live, don't worry, you'll get the replay. But if you can't attend live, you'll have the opportunity to get coached live. You'll also have the opportunity to submit a question that I answer if you're not really finding that you want to come on camera quite yet. So mark that on your calendar, October 14th, 11 to 12 Mountain Time, and October 1st is when registration opens. So that's another date you're going to want to mark on your calendar for registration opening for this class on October 1st. And I guarantee you that this topic about how to unconditionally love your child is, I'm going to give you some more information and some more in-depth detail of how to do these things and things that you haven't heard before. So make sure that if this is something that interests you and something you're finding you need help with, make sure you reserve that date and sign up for that class. Okay, enjoy this chat that I had with my husband, Micah Gosney. Hey, I have a special guest back on the podcast today and Special guest, I would say by request, because the last time Micah was on, um, it was our most downloaded episode of all of them. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, I think Micah's point of view is really valuable because he has a really a lot of good things to say. And um, it's just good to hear a dad's point of view. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. And we're talking today about how do you love your child without condoning what they're doing? And we actually both, like, not it's not just me, but we both get asked this question a lot. And I always kind of, like, point back to Micah because I think you're the one that taught me how to do this in the first place because it comes really naturally to you. It always has. I think that's one of the reasons that I was attracted to you in the first place is that you're just like such, you have such unconditional love for other people. You have like a natural love for other people. I try. <laughs> I think you I do. Try. I think you do more than try. I think you just like, it's a strength of yours. I was um, thinking about this and if anybody knew my or knows my dad my dad 
has that ability, I believe, as well. He put up with a lot of stuff, raising kids as a young dad. And he, well, not at first he didn't have the unconditional love, but over time, I believe he developed that love for his children. And when they went off the path or they did things that weren't what he thought they should be doing, he didn't really show that he was displeased with them or he was hurt by what they were doing. He just showed that he loved them. And as I got older and got married and had my own kids, my dad started calling me and my siblings and would call my wife, would call Tina and tell them how much he loved them and they were doing great. Yeah. Then we get those calls every once in a while. Every now and then we still get those phone calls. He'll just call to see how everybody's doing and say how much he loves them. And that, and that's it. That's the gist of the conversation and it moves on. So I had a good example of that, um, growing up and I've tried to develop that, uh, in my own mannerisms and how I do things. Yeah. And you've always been really good at doing that with our own kids. Um, so if you don't know Micah, probably most of you don't know him, but he's a big guy, six, four, just, you know, has pretty long arms and you get a Micah hug and it's just like, you can just melt into his arms. It's just like this big, warm, giant hug. And that's just, that's just how Micah is. So, I mean, it's, he comes by it naturally. Puppies and children love him, too. He's just kind of a magnet for, this is <laughs> for true. puppies and children. This is true. Yeah. I think that um, when we talk about unconditional love or, like, just the word love in general, it has different meanings to it. So we talk about, usually when we think now about the word love, we think, like, I feel like a lot of affection for you and connection and approval. And I think that's where we get hung up in, like, how do you love your child without condoning? Because we we associate approval with loving. But actually, in the scriptures, when they refer to love, it that's not really what the scriptures mean. It's more of... It's called a different word. Um, what, what the scriptures really are referring to is a love called agape love. And agape is a Greek word. It's a really old word, and we don't use it much in our church, but other churches use it a lot. And I think we should actually use it because I think it's a lot more applicable to the kind of love that we're thinking about when we think of unconditional love. So agape love is different because it means it means it's not well it's not a feeling it's more of an understanding and a comprehension. And it means like we can look at other people through this lens of agape love and instead of being critical and judgmental we see people like Christ does. So we comprehend all of their spiritual and emotional and um mental 
wounds that trigger what we normally label as bad or sinful behavior. So as we see them as a wounded person, instead of feeling a judgment towards them, we feel empathy and compassion for where they are in their life. And I think that helps so much. If when you think about, like, I see you, I see where you are, I see the things in your life that are hard for you, and we think of that as being unconditional love in connecting with them and seeing their humanness, I think that feeds directly into the second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Because we also have to view ourselves with that same lens. So we can be so critical of ourselves, right? Right. I think we can be our worst critics. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel that way, that they are their own worst critic, and they beat themselves up probably more than most people would beat them up. Yeah. And so throwing gasoline on the fire of somebody that is wounded or has been, um, things happen to them in their lives that mold their character you need to kind of step back and feel the, you know, the haze off of your eyes so you can see clear how these people are feeling. And when I, I shouldn't say these people because just in general, how people are feeling. Yeah. Cause it's everybody. It's everybody. We all have our own stories. We all have our own heartbreak and, and things that we are going through even right now. There's mm-hmm. lots of things. Yeah. And, to realize that people are human are humans and they all have their own baggage that they're carrying around will help in changing how you feel about them. Yeah. I think it's good to remember that we're all sitting in the same movie theater, looking at the same screen and watching different movies. Like everybody is watching a different movie. Nobody sees things exactly the way that somebody else does. It's all based on our our life experience and our perception and the way that we've lived our life, the things that have happened to us. Yeah, I think a lot of things that are funny that nobody else thinks are funny. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a lot of I watch a lot of things that are like about why do you watch Medea? Those are really that's not that doesn't make uh, yeah, sense. Yeah, I've asked you that more than once. I know. Yeah. It's my think, guilty pleasure. <laughs> I think that when like there's agape love, which really helps us to like think of like unconditional love for other people. And then there's like love in the sense that we view it usually with that feeling of like connection and approval. And we want to feel that kind of love for our kids. And I see, so I think that when we're attaching approval to love, that's when we get into like, how do you love without condoning? Because condoning is approving. Right. Right. So that's tricky. So that's really like what we're going to talk about today. But I think that it is helpful to look at it through the lens of agape love, too. Because sometimes, well, I think often you got to look at your kids with their own woundedness and realize they're not seeing things the same way that you are. No. No. They're watching a different movie. They're watching a different movie. (laughs) Yeah. They're definitely watching a different movie. There's and there's this book, and I think I've talked about it on the podcast more than one time, but it's Terrell and Fiona Givens. It's All Things New, 
and excellent book if you haven't read it. I highly recommend picking it up. But they talk about how the meanings of words in the Bible have been changed. It's not just that we're missing things or that things have been altered. It's the very meanings of words have been changed. And the meaning of the word sin actually is a state of woundedness. And so immediately when we view sin as a state of woundedness, our heart goes out to that person. And you just, you know, when you see somebody that's wounded and you just want to help them and you have a lot of empathy and compassion for them. And I think that that is part of the things that we need to view our children as wounded. Yes. I recently um, I've looked through that lens quite a bit at friends and family that I have, my children, my wife. I've looked through that lens and I see the humanness of each of these individuals and try to think how I would want to be loved in that situation. How would I want my dad to love me if I did something wrong? How would I want my kids to love me if I blew up at him and got mad and yelled and, and did something to that nature? Or how would I feel if my spouse did something and hurt my feelings? I try to flip that around and say, okay, how do I react or how, how should I feel in that situation? And this has taken a lot of work because I used to be very reactive to situations. Um, and I still am a little bit because I drive a lot during the day and you to be on the road. I get to be on the road, and <laughs> I have a lot of rage. A little bit of trigger for him to be on a the road. A little bit, a little bit, but it's getting better. I just close my eyes, and well, I don't close no, my eyes when I'm driving. Don't. Please. But I, yeah, but I, I do know <clears throat> that I want to internalize how others are feeling on myself, and I think I've always done that. I've, I've thought about situations in my past, even as a little kid and how I internalized how that, how an individual felt. Which has helped you to really just be a naturally loving person. Yeah. Yeah, it has. It's made me mentally and physically soften who I am soften my heart. So you like get outside of yourself and think about the other person more than you're thinking about yourself. Yeah. I've, I told the story a couple of times long. This is a long, long time ago when I was a little kid and you might remember it. I, uh, was in fourth 
grade, I think it was. It was, it was we lived in Oregon, and I always wanted to be in a gang. Oh, I didn't know that. You wanted to be in a gang? I wanted to have a gang. Oh, I always thought it'd be kind of cool. Fourth grade gang. That's yeah, fourth kinda, grade gang. That's kinda... And I wanted it to be called the Black Knights. And uh, so, did I ever tell you this? I don't know. This is a new this story. story. Is this is really? Yeah. So, I was fourth grade, Micah, and I had some friends, and I wanted to put this little group together, and I thought it'd be fun just to kind of, we'd act tough, and what fourth graders do, you're stupid little boys, and just ride our bikes around and be dumb. Well, <clears throat> I had three or four of my friends kind of join the group, and uh, there was another boy that we wanted to talk to and what, how, how it happened. I don't recall cause it was a long time ago, but one of the kids in the group didn't like this other boy that I wanted to be in this group. And so he wanted to go over to the kid's house and get him out of his house and kind of lure him away from his house. And he wanted to beat him up, but I didn't know that. Wait a minute. Yeah. Everybody else wanted him to be in the group and the one kid didn't. And he wanted to, you guys yeah. to all beat him up. Well, he wanted us to get him out of his house so he could beat him up. Oh, okay. But, but we were, we didn't really know that. Okay, go on. So we had this boy come out of his house and we went to the schoolyard and we were just kind of hanging out. And this boy that had ill feelings towards this other kid wanted us to grab him so he could beat him up. And you know how group... Boys are, they're like, yeah, let's get him, let's beat him up. You know? group think, yeah. yeah, total group think. Yeah. And that didn't feel right to me. And I felt horrible for getting this kid to come out of his house and trick him into playing with this, not knowing of doing not knowingly doing it, mm-hmm. but then to have this situation come up where this one kid didn't like him and wanted to beat him up. So I wanted to be the good guy and stop it because I could see the look on this boy's face, how crushed he was that this was happening. I thought he was going to play with friends yeah. and instead he's getting beat up. He went out to play with friends. Yeah. That's every movie you've ever seen. That is true. And it just, and I felt horrible. And later on I went over and apologized and wait, did he get beat up? He did not um, get beat up. Oh, okay. And the Black Knights were disbanded after that. <laughs> the ba- Black Knights were a gang, not, yeah. a, not a club. They no. were a gang. <laughs> They're a bunch of ruffians. They wanted yeah. to beat up children yeah. as children. But we, it just, that story has always stuck with me and how I felt, how that kid felt. And I didn't want to feel that way. So whenever somebody was excluded or somebody was ostracized for being different, I always gravitated towards that person or that group or if you saw all my friends you'd under totally understand yeah but it's very eclectic yeah and so i feel that's how we need to treat people we need to look how they feel and understand how they feel and then you can internalize that feeling and become more christ-like because that's what Christ did. Christ looked at the individual and their worth and internalized it to himself. And as a result, people gravitated towards him. His group was pretty ragtag and and was interesting and yeah, 
had a lot of, you know, he had a lot of friends that were different, but that's who he was. Yeah. I think sometimes we realize that we need to do that with other people. We have a harder time doing that with our closest family members. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, with your, well, with your children, they are a product of you. They are who you are as a parent shows in them. And so we think it reflects badly on us, comes back on us if our child isn't doing what we want him to do. And that's the part you have to get over. You have to get over that part. Because I don't think there really are a reflection on us. No. We generally think that. We generally think that. And I think most people do. Unless they've had a big awakening that that's not how we should be viewing our children. Yeah. I feel with all my experiences with, with my kids from the oldest to the youngest, each experience has been a different ride. I've had lots of joy with my kids and I've had pain with them growing up and some of the decisions that they've made in the past just as my mom and dad did, just as their parents did, and so on and so on and so on. It's been that way since the beginning of time. Look at Heavenly Father and his children and what his children do. Yeah. And to be able to get over that stuff, get through that, and see your kids for who they are and and who they truly are is the end goal. I think part of it is that we want so badly for our kids to have the blessings that we know, that we really feel that they're promised by obeying the commandments and by walking a certain path. And then there is some sadness there that comes when you see them, you know, turning their back on those. And and you just want so badly for them to not have to go through certain things because of the choices that they're making. Um, but you don't have any control over that. Yeah. And so part of that is just your own sadness and allowing their agency and trusting in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you need you need to realize that your kids reach a certain age and they're going to do whatever they want to do. You have influence. You can. You have influence on them. And you can take privileges away. You can take their freedom I mean, away. Yeah, when they're younger. When they're younger. <laughs> yeah. You can do all those things. But when they hit a certain age and they leave the house, they don't have to listen to you anymore. Yeah. We're really talking about though, like older teens and on. We're yeah. not talking about, you know, young Well, children. you want to go back and be able to have that control though. You, yeah. I've recently had the experience of being with the four-year-olds in primary. And that was a true joy in my life because four-year-olds just want to love you. And they want to share everything with you. And they want to 
have your love back. Yeah, they're just they just love so naturally. They're like little puppies, and they just yeah. want to jump on you and lick your face. <laughs> Not literally. Not literally. But they want to be able to have your approval and be so excited that you're with them. And then when they get older, when your kids are older, they don't necessarily want the same things that you do. Yeah. And so it's tougher to... That that love doesn't come as naturally when they're older. Right. It's more, I don't want to say earned, because I I don't think that's what it is. I just think it's more um, of letting go of that little person Mm -hmm. and accepting the adult person that is going to be. But we actually have a lot of parents that talk to us about their kids and, and you can tell when the way somebody feels about their child by the way that they talk about them. So they'll talk about their kids that are, you know, serving missions or marrying in the temple or doing all the things that the parent thinks they're supposed to do and their face kind of glows and they, they have some excitement in their voice and, you know, their body lifts. And then they start talking about their other child that's not doing those things. And you can literally see a change in their entire presence. And their body kind of droops. And there's a heaviness to their voice and like a sadness in their eyes. And it's very apparent physically. And you know that most of the communication that we do is nonverbal. So I pick up on all those tiny little things. And when I talk about, or when I talk, we talk to these parents, like, like you need to find some things that you love in this child that you, that whose choices you don't love right now. And they say, oh, they have no idea how I feel about them. I beg to differ because they are going to pick up on the things that you are communicating through your body language. And so when you talk about your child who has taken a hard left and they're not doing the things that you want them to do, you got to really check in with yourself and see how you're thinking about them. Because your thinking is affecting how you're feeling and your feeling is coming out all over the place. It's true. (laughs) Your feeling is coming out all over the place. Your feeling is coming out whether you like it or not. So really, like, you need to find something about that child that you are proud of. What you focus on grows bigger. So find something that you love that they're doing and tell them that and be prideful. In a good way. I mean, that sounds like doesn't sound very good. Be proud of them. Like every, no matter how old your kid is, even your adult, young adults or your adult kids, they all want to feel like their parents have some pride in them, that they're proud of who they are. And it's, sometimes it's really hard to pinpoint how you're thinking about somebody. So you can always check in with like, how does my body feel when I think about this person? Because like I said, when we see people talking about their kids that are doing all the things that they want them to do. Their body language is different. And you can tell that they're like light and open. And then they talk about their other child who's not doing the things that they want him to do. And their body literally kind of closes in on itself. And I would say that's probably like a depressed, like you can actually see depression in a body. Because our bodies reflect how we're feeling. I've been asked, who's your favorite kid? And they all say that they are 
my favorite kid. Because you mean you, our kids have asked you that? No, just, but I've been asked, and this is just as a joke, not, not a joke, but just like, you know, like a, just a stupid question who your favorite kid is. And my kids will all tell you that they say they're, I'm, they're the favorite because I want them. That's how I want them to feel. I want them to feel that each one of them is the favorite. And my mom says, Oh, Mikey, you're the favorite. Or my dad will say, you're the favorite, but I know that's a lie because they say that to my sister and they say it to my other, but I've heard it from each one of my siblings that my parents say they're, they're the, they're the favorite. And that's how I think we should look at our children is that they're the favorite. Each one of them has abilities and talents and things that they strive to be and things that they're really good at. And you want to acknowledge that people just want to feel like they're look like, like they're seen and then they're heard. And if you can hear and see your children for who they are, they will know that and they will recognize that. If you're fake, kids see through that crap so fast, they know because they know you. They know who their mom is. They know who they're, they've been with them their whole life and they know who they are. And they can always tell when you're trying to tell them a story and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> tell and them that, something that you don't them, really feel. Yeah. Tell them something that you yeah. don't really feel. They pick up on that and they know that. So you have to be truthful and you have to be upfront with your children. You're not always going to love what they do. You're not always They're They're going to make you mad and crazy and do stupid things. But the more you show that you love them and that they are recognized that you can see, actually see who they are. That's when you have influence on them. And that's when you will be able to share things with them that you hope will help them. And then they know that you're just not trying to be fake. Mm-hmm. They'll, they know that you truly love them and you recognize that they need help or for whatever reason, Sometimes they just need love. Sometimes they just need love. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be, you know, hold you're holding their hand and dragging them up the primrose path. They don't want that. They just want to be left alone. Sometimes they want to be acknowledged and they want to know that you love them. That's what that, that's all they want. Yeah. And if you can do that, if you can show them that you love them, if you still love them, if you're showing that love to them, they'll recognize it. And then that's, then you have influence. You have the ability to help them and they'll want to be helped. Yeah. Sometimes when you, even when you do that, you don't get love back. Yeah. There shouldn't, that shouldn't be, a, Yeah, I'm getting something out of something. I know, but it feels like I've like, We've talked about this, and I hear other parents, too, say it like, I keep trying to do all these things, and my kid still, like, tells me that they hate me, or they won't come over to my house, or they want to pick a fight with me, 
And, you know, you can name any number of things like I'm just trying to love them and they're not accepting my love and I don't know what to do. And we've talked about this because we've had some experience of that on our own. And really what it boils down to is that you get to be however you want to be in that relationship. It does not matter what that other person is doing. You have to know who you are and how you want to show up and have your feet firmly planted in the ground and like, this is who I am going to be. And I'm going to be like, kind of like a tree trunk. Like I have roots going in the ground and I'm not moving. I'm standing on my own two feet and you can, you know, be a whirlwind around me, but I'm going to stand firm in this person that I want to be. And I, I'm going to love you. You don't have any choice over that. Because I just get to love you. They don't always want to accept it. They don't always want to acknowledge it. Sometimes they just want to be the hurricane that rips all the leaves off the tree and blow through town. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of leave you standing there. But you got your roots. But you're still there. And the leaves are going to grow back. Yeah. And when they need some grounding, they know where to find it. Right. We don't have to react to the things that our kids are doing. And they don't have to accept our love for us to be able to give it. We get to be however we want to be in that relationship. But when you're doing that, just show up the way that you, with the parent that you want to be and decide why you're doing it. I think we need to really know, like, decide on purpose. This is the way I want to be in this relationship. And I'm proud of the way that I'm showing up. Because we have all have a tendency to get really reactionary when someone is giving us an emotion that we don't like. Sometimes overreactionary. Overreactionary. That's a good one. Sometimes yeah. we overact to things that didn't go to plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's us that are not firmly planted. Right. Sometimes you have to dial it back. We've had that experience before and learned that that wasn't a healthy place to be. Right. I think another thing that um, people get confused on is this concept of unconditional love. And that, well, if I just, if I just love somebody right where they are, that means I have to say yes all the time and just be okay with everything. That's not actually the case. Like, Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally, and he tells us no plenty of times. But he still loves us while he says no. Yes. And you can be the parent, and you can still love your children and still say no. Yeah. Sometimes love looks like, I love you and no. That's not okay. That's right. But I still love you, and the choice is yours. I think it's a really, that's one question I get asked a lot when I talk about unconditional love is like, so they just get to do whatever they want and I have to be okay with it. No. 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 It's not. It's, that's not unconditional love. But if we follow the example of Heavenly Father, you know, he doesn't force us to do anything. You know, he teaches us through our experiences and lets us make our own choices. As parents, we've tried to force our children to do things. And it typically backfires. Or, yeah, it does a lot of times. And sometimes it's also a, 
Like, why are you forcing them to do something? Is it just that you want a certain result? And then was there, because you forced that result, was there any learning behind it? Right. Because we're supposed to learn from all of our, our experiences. And in that experience, our kids learned that my mom and dad will force me to do things that I don't want without really having learning a lesson that will help them to grow. Well, when you're, when you, if you force somebody to do something, they can become resentful of it and have the opposite thing happen that you wanted to happen. Sometimes there's no other choice though. You feel like I've exhausted all of my things that I wanted to, to try and do and none of them have worked. So I have to, I my have my kids best. So I'm going to force this I'm gonna, outcome. I'm going to force this outcome because it's going to be better for them. Then I'm not going to give you a choice. And I'm not going to give you a choice. And anytime you do that, you are sacrificing what you want right now. You're sacrificing the relationship. And you never want to sacrifice the relationship. Even if you have to give up the outcome that you want. At all costs, you preserve the relationship. Sometimes they're not going to like what they hear. But if if you're showing them a better way and they accept it, then that's great. What if they don't? Then you you have to accept the fact that they make their own decisions, and hopefully they will come around someday. Someday. Mm-hmm. We don't get to say when that day is. No, we don't. Well, none of us do. I think part of the things, part of the problem that we get hung up with as parents in the church is that we've heard for so many years that this life is a test. And it feels terrible. I think it feels terrible when you think of his life as a test. It's like then there's like points and passing and failing. And, and you know, it just it feels it's like a bad feeling. There's plenty of kids who freak out at tests. But what if this life is not a test? In Abraham, there's a scripture, forgot the exact reference, but it talks about like when we were in heaven and, and um, you know, Heavenly Father's talking and he's saying, hey, we're going to send them down and we're going to prove them to see what they'll do. And prove is often misinterpreted as test them, but prove actually means we're going to let them learn by experience what they want to choose. So if you always chose the right choice, if you always chose and never sinned, first of all, you would be Jesus. (laughs) Second of all, you would never learn anything. So we all, it's all, sin is actually necessary for us to progress on the earth. So is repentance. And what a blessing we have in Jesus Christ in the atonement, that we have that gift, that we can be down here, you know, proving ourselves, learning by experience, and being able to repent, and then pick yourself up and try again. But we don't often want to let our kids do that. 
And when we see them doing that very process that they're here on the earth to do, sometimes we kind of freak out and we want to stop it. Because that's the path. And sometimes when we freak out and we want to stop it, they listen and then sometimes they don't. Some people learn by doing and some people learn by listening. And a lot of the doers got a lot of bruises. Yeah. And a lot of concussions and headaches. And that's how they learn, though. I think, though, that some of those people that have all those bruises and the concussions from their choices in life, I think when they decide that they, you know, want to have all those experiences work for their good and they turn towards God, that they can actually reach people in a way that somebody who never had their experience could. Yeah. They they understand. Yeah. They are totally empathetic. And some of our... they've been there. Yeah. Some of our kids are going to be those people that decide, you know, I want to turn my heart towards God and all these things in my life that I've experienced are going to work for my good. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to help other people who are struggling in this way too. And hopefully those people will listen. They get to choose. They get to choose. <laughs> yeah, they get to choose if they want to listen or not. It's like, um, it's like forging metal. You have to heat the metal up. You have to beat it with a hammer. You have to cool it. You have to heat the metal up again. You have to fold it over. You have to beat it with a hammer. All of that work that goes into making metal into something other than just a raw material takes a lot of work. And the the hot and the cold, the beating, you can liken that to life. Mm -hmm. We're being forged all the time. We do things uh, that we will either learn from right away or we do them over and over again and we get heated up we get beat we get cooled off uh we take that that forging process and that's what turns us into stronger individuals is that forging Mm -hmm. and that's why we're here on the earth and that's why we're here yeah that's where the learning comes in that's where the proving comes in yeah is in your proofs in the metal so if you're dented up and you're smacked around a little bit, that's okay. You can fix it. You can polish it. You can mend it. There's lots of things you can do with metal. And if you can apply that to you, your spirit, your spirit's banged up. It's got holes in it. Sometimes it's ripped. You can reforge it and get it to go back together. Yeah. And I just think it's really helpful to, to realize and remember that, Jesus is always there, and he is the great healer of all the woundedness that we experience and our children's woundedness. And when we really put our faith and trust in him, we can we can have a feeling of letting go. We don't have to feel like we have to control so much. And I think it's really helpful to just remember that Like all of our children's behavior, anybody's behavior, is a form of communication. So when you look at 
since we're talking about children in this one, like if you look at your child's behavior, what are they trying to communicate to you? And are you listening? Having a child who's making choices you don't agree with is your invitation from Heavenly Father to grow in the way that you understand love and in your ability to love unconditionally and agape love, right? right. I see you. I feel you, who, what, I feel your woundedness. I see that you've had some hurt in your life, and I can empathize with you through that. What else? It's not your job to fix your child. No. That's Heavenly Father's job. Your child, your job is to love them. Love your children. That's the thing that's going to occur over and over again in mm-hmm. Tina's podcasts are that you love your children and recognize them for who they are. And I think, you know, often when our kids are like leaving the church or going and doing things that are taking them away from that path that we had hoped that they would be in, that they have some anger sometimes towards God or like a disconnect from Him. They're not feeling the love of Christ. They're not feeling the love from their Heavenly Father. And they're disconnected from that. But On this earth, you as their parent are the one that is the closest in representation to what God is in their life. So if they can see through you that love for them, no matter what they're doing, then there will come a time where they can also see that love from God and from Heavenly Father. Like, Because if they can't see it from you, who is on the earth, a physical representation— in their life, and they don't see that from you, it's going to be even harder for them to imagine that they have a Heavenly Father that loves them if their own parents don't, and if they don't feel that love from their own parents. So just to remember that like, you are His representative on this earth to that child. You're the conduit. You are the conduit, yeah. And in this situation, you get to be a little bit like Jesus. Because he met people right where they were, and he loved them without them having to change. And then he just invited them to live a better life. And all we can do, really, is just keep pointing our children towards Jesus and inviting them to allow him into their lives so that he can do that for them. Any last words? You said yeah. it. Yeah, you're a great dad. I love you. Love you too. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Anytime. Your detours and disappointments are the straight and narrow way back to him. When you turn your detours and disappointments into a learning and growth opportunity for yourself, you will begin to strengthen those around you and that includes your children. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you have liked what you've heard in this podcast, leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Your review will help others to find this podcast who also need this message.
I have to sit closer than you do because your voice is louder than mine. That's Remember okay. last week, last time it was like you were a lot louder than me. I think it was a lot closer. You were a lot closer last time? Yeah. This is about how close I usually sit. Okay, somewhere about. <laughs> okay. That's kind of hard to do sometimes. Oh, a lot of time. A lot of times, yeah. You have people ask you that? Really? Well, one in particular, Greg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know we're going to edit that out. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. You like that? Mm -hmm. I just came up with that right That's on the spot. Good. That's Thank not you. bad. Thanks. <laughs>